0: Hi and welcome to Talking with Cancer. I'm Katie and I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us today. So grab a coffee or a tea in your favourite mug. Let's get settled down and begin this week's conversation. Good morning, my love. Good
1: morning, Claire. Fresh. I feel like this it's a long time since we've we've done one of these because we had a bit of a we had a bit of a break. And now we're back with season two.
0: Season two ep one.
1: Welcome everybody. Thank you for being with us. So Katie, how have how have you been? How are you?
0: So in answer to your question, the drugs I'm on, I was always told could affect my heart and I was like swimming along really nicely, like, woo, my heart's good, everything's good. And then I started to feel tired and I had my two weekly check-in. It was around that time that I was like, oh, I'm feeling really tired again. And what the a consultant i saw because i don't always see pop um i saw a consultant under him really lovely lady called katia they they give them to me in what they call a cycle so Mm -hmm. i was when i went to see her i was halfway through the second cycle so what she explained to me is that like it's potential that some of the symptoms i feel could match the symptoms i felt when i was halfway through the first cycle Mm-hmm. so I couldn't really get my head around that because I was like well to me I'm six weeks into treatment Yeah, yeah, yeah. but These that's different. kind of how yeah. she was explaining it but what they noticed was that on my ECG um, the sticky things which measure your resting heartbeat it looked a bit slow so she was like what we're going to do is we're going to speak to your cardiologist and just let him know to so just we need to keep an eye on it and he Dr Alex Lyon called me and said he's he's so sweet and he's so good at explaining things and basically he said look your ticker we need your ticker to work your right? ticker. and he said it is going a little bit slow it that's what the results showed today your heart's pumping a bit slow which also meant like my pulse was low basically is what he was saying and he sort of threw in there like we don't want to take you off the entrectinib you know, because he's just thinking purely about my heart. But when he threw yeah. that out there, I... Oh, Monty. I know, Monty. When he threw that out there, it just completely freaked me out. Completely freaked me out. So I had a bit of a like emotional dip around that time. And he said, mm-hmm. look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a drug, Candartacin, it's called Candartacin. That's going to strengthen your heart. But what it also does for some people is... Some people who have high blood pressure, it it, we can also give it to them to lower their blood pressure. Well, I've already got low blood pressure, I know that about (laughs) myself. Mm -hmm. So I was taking this drug and he said it might make you feel dizzy, it might, you know, I thought, great, another drug to make me feel dizzy. So I started taking it, four milligrams. You could kind of take it whenever in the day. And I like a few days in, my head just felt foggy that was the only way I could really describe it foggy I'm kind of in this space where like I am now taking drugs to deal with the side effects like the serious side effects because I'm on quite a few drugs now and I just didn't have clarity in my mind at all I didn't feel like myself yeah. and I basically this this cardiologist is the guy who's PA I know which is really really handy so Fast forward a couple of days on this drug and I kind of said to her, I'm not feeling Hmm. great on it. So she said, look, I'll, I'll get you an appointment. You can speak to him. Now, my immediate reaction is, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to make a fuss. I'm going to be seeing him anyway. I think I had an appointment anyway with him or a call with him anyway. Or I was having bloods done for him. She said, no, no, speak to him. And I just watched myself again doing that thing, you know. So it's like, God, the habit is still there. Like, I don't want to make a fuss. It's probably yeah, nothing. What, yeah, yeah. what are the options? I've got to be on this drug. And also, I don't want him to take me off it. I don't want, yeah, him, exactly. to take, I don't yeah. want him to decide to take me off the entrectinib. You know, that just really freaked me out. The idea I would, that my cancer treatment might be stopped. So he said, look, let's just half the dose. Because what might be happening is it might be lowering your blood pressure. Even more, it might just be doing that, giving me a foggy head. And that could be contributing to you feeling, yeah, all these symptoms. Okay. Basically, I halved the dose and immediately felt better. Like, immediately I felt it, yeah, and that made a real difference. But again, you know, I know I've talked about good news follows, bad news follows, good news follows, bad news follows, bad news. It was another one of those blows. And I think it's like, you know, however far into this you are, there are going there are always going to be those blows like you kind yeah. of think i've got this you know i've got this i'm getting used to it i'm i'm starting to live more of a, a life that i was living before like socializing again and you know all those things that i just couldn't really face before but then you get those blows and it's like oh god yeah this is like i'm really i'm really doing this i really do have cancer it's not just so there's that there's that reminder and kind of where that takes you to and it's and the thing is you know again it is it's leaning into whatever that brings up and that's that's the thing like we all have to do whenever we're going through a hard time like you know we all kind of want those hard times to be just fast forward through those bits please yeah Yeah, smeared over and smudged over but you you know you it's part of it and I think that's the thing like the feelings that it brought up when I spoke to him, the feelings that I might have to come off the cancer drug, the feelings that my heart is slow. And, you know, this is, like, serious. Like, my my heart needs... It's just just the reality of it. But I think it's also having the team around me and making sure that I use them you know they're there to do a job they're there for you to ask your for ask questions if you when you when and as you
1: need to and to, yeah to be there for you as well as so like medical experts are on your team yeah
0: and to make me feel better you know they're there to make me feel better and and is it giving you any comfort because
1: i know you're you're taking your own blood pressure at the moment as well to keep an eye on that yes so is that i don't know having those daily stats or stuff gives you an idea of where you are and is that a little
0: that bit i'm still helpful. trying to understand because there's like different ways like your blood pressure gets red you know you kind of fall into different um bands yeah or... exactly thank you yeah. but the thing that so it seems to be quite steady but the thing I'm happy about when I do my 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 blood pressure so I'm kind of doing it in the morning mm. and in the evening is that my pulse is is quite good it's stronger so I can see that even by halving the dose that was kind of all I needed
1: that your heart is beating as it should yeah. be more yeah. now. Sorry, so I'm I can to see that. Tap my chest and do a funny thing on the mic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know what heartbeat Buh-bum. is. Yep, um,
0: that's great. Then that if you if you can see that it's working. Yeah, so that's really good. So, so obviously I've got like the cardiologist, and I'm kind of. Again, of course, like driving the admin, and just want to make yeah. sure like everyone's speaking to each other. I mean, I'm such a You're, 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 you're the project.
1: No, you're the project manager. You've got to your project manager. You're
0: CEO of you, Katie. No, you know you've got to be on it, Claire. I am so on it. It's hysterical. So I, you know, how I was saying, I I really want to get Popat and Newbold in a room together, even if it's virtual yes. or whatever it is. And I, yeah. you know, again, I kind of made the point a few times and you've done that though haven't you not have you not brought them together you saw him in person and she was on zoom I saw her in person and he was on zoom he was on zoom yeah oh, okay. but I don't know if our yeah. if our listeners know that I don't remember talking about that I think you did because I because I think that's how I know yeah you're right we don't talk about me because we don't
1: talk about this we don't no. talk
0: we don't talk about you otherwise <laughs> we have to have headphones and a mic to talk about me yeah 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 no 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 Oh, okay. So we did that. Right. So then did I tell you that um, Newbold put me on thyroid medication? No, that okay. isn't. No, I, so no that's you that's didn't what tell you me that. So what I get a bit confused about, and it's quite useful, actually, who I chatted to this week that we're going to play an interview with, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
1: In a couple of minutes, you'll hear from an incredible individual not just us
0: but someone else incredible (laughs) what i get quite uh, confused about is why is the cancer not affecting my thyroid like i just would have thought yeah that's coming up in this interview that katie did with um is it doctor or professor i just called him mr oh mr 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 paul
1: mr paul Paul stimpson and that's one of the things that he talks about i was really surprised by that as well that like the thyroid, which, as he said, is responsible for your body's metabolism, how fast your body turns over, that none of those functions
0: are affected by having cancer. So it, 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 your thyroid is still doing its job in your body. Which is what also Dr. Newbold always said. But what she explained is like the cancer is kind of around the tissue. It's not necessarily like eating off the thyroid, the essential part of yeah. the thyroid. But basically what I've since learned is that what they don't want is for me to overstimulate my thyroid, which I had a tiny tendency to do prior to all of this, and that's something was, like hyper is it hyperthyroid? Yeah, yeah, and that was just something yeah. that through the fertility journey I was on, I was yeah. I was becoming a bit more aware of, and I was put on thyroxine last year, mm. a tiny dose. So obviously there is that ability with with me, my body. So when I spoke to my nurse this week. I said, why am I taking thyroxine? Sorry, I just took the prescription from Dr. Newbold and started taking it without really asking her. But yeah. I said, like, it's, you know, is my tiredness to do with it? And also uh, my hair is really, it's getting thin, and I know it is, I can feel it, but I don't think that's the cancer treatment. I think that's the thyroid thing. It's the thyroid. So yeah. I'm now taking, they've increased it since I saw Dr. Newbold, I take 75 micrograms of thyroxine every morning. Mm-hmm. And basically... That's to make sure that I don't overstimulate my thyroid because if I do that, it can actually then kind of feed the cancer a bit.
1: Yeah, and like because because everything's working quicker because everything in your body would be working quicker. Or... I mean,
0: I guess. Oh, I do Clever, yeah. yeah, that makes sense because obviously, if it's speeding up my metabolism, it's feeding. Oh, I don't know. Look, I don't know. Clever, clever. I'm not a. I think you're right. You know, I'm not you're a
1: right. doctor, um, or a Mister, or a professor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think like. So I'm taking, yeah, so I'm taking quite a lot of drugs. But it actually takes about eight weeks for the thyroxine to really kick in. That's what the nurse Mm -hmm. told me. So, I mean, I've been on it for a good two or three weeks so far. Um, So I'm taking, yeah, I'm now taking quite a bit more drugs than I was before. But hey, I guess that's just what I have to do. But, you know, for me, it's like, oh, God, really? You know, I never took any drugs before. I never ticked any yeses on a form before. And now I'm all over it. That's just the way it is, I suppose. So it was quite funny with the heart stuff because I I mean I went to Maggie's Centre, which by the way is an amazing, amazing centre. Check out Maggie's Centre. They have them all over the UK. They're these beautiful centres that you can go to if you have cancer, if you know someone with cancer, or you're related to someone with cancer, and you can just be in a nice space and have a cup of tea. But you can also speak to people there, speak to professionals speak to obviously other people in your position and then they have a timetable. So I went and did an exercise class. And because I told them I had this heart thing going on, they were a bit like, ah, sirens going off. Yeah, like, yeah, oh my yeah. God, are we gonna have someone have a heart attack in the middle of the exercise yeah, class. Yeah, no jumping jacks and burpees yeah. for you. Sit down, love. So yeah. we did exercises on a chair. Okay? Oh, I know. And I've I'm seen someone that. who chair yoga. It well it wasn't chair yoga. It was like sitting on a chair, like moving your body around and and, you know, of course, before I'd be like, sorry, you know, I can do deadlifts sorry, and sorry, sorry, sorry. you know what I mean? I've got a personal best <laughs> and here I am sitting on yeah. a chair, like on a carpeted floor, like kind of moving my feet around. But you know what? Like, that's what I have to do. And, yeah, you know, whatever idea we have of where we fit in the world, like, you know, forget it.
1: You, this has changed it. This is, yeah, this has changed. This is you. This is leading yeah. you in a way. And actually it was yeah, quite... Yeah, yeah
0: you know, I had a bit of cardio, like I felt a bit of, you know, good, in a really good way. And I really felt good for doing it. And, you know, also just going and meeting other women who, you know, it was women, I mean, men can go too. And there's some groups I'm definitely going to do, like they do a Nordic walking on the heath and they do like art therapy. And so it was really great. I know I've said, I Mm. don't want to immerse myself in the cancer community. But it was really good to go. And I felt I felt quite brave going because it's like a whole yeah. acceptance. stepping through the doors. A whole acceptance yeah. thing for me of like, uh, I'm part of this. Yeah. But, you know, it's really interesting. You feel a part of it, but you also feel very isolated. And, and like the two women that were in the class, they both had breast cancer. And one of them said, I've got one more treatment left and then I'm done. And it's over. And I started welling up. Yeah. And obviously, I didn't want her to know that, but I just thought, you know, and even now sharing that, I feel emotional. I just thought, wow, to be at the end of this journey. Wow. Wow. I feel so far from that. So that was quite interesting what it brought up, you know. But yeah, so I I reached out to Mr. Paul Stimpson, just going back to that. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Paul, Mr. Paul Stimpson, our, ex, our, our, our expert for, and he, for this episode. That was, yeah, so he's the guy I saw at the very beginning. You know, first I saw a chest um, specialist and then very quickly I saw Mr. Paul Stimpson and he's an ENT doctor, specialist, consultant. Um, and I asked him, could I speak to you? Like, I'm doing a podcast and I'd love to have a chat with you. A bit about me. I actually said to him, Can we go gentle with the bit about me? Because, you know, this was the guy I saw who told me I had cancer. Like, he's the first doctor that told me I had cancer. I was on my own in that room on the 15th of February. And, you know, it was quite a big deal to speak to him and see him again, actually. What was nice was that obviously he didn't have a mask on. So I could actually, so actually that gave it a different experience
1: more person to person this time definitely so so shall we so we're gonna we're gonna play you the we're gonna play you katie's interview with uh, mr paul simpson and then we're gonna have a bit of a chat about it afterwards so play interview.
2: yeah so i'm a ear nose and throat surgeon by training i originally studied up in leeds and did basic surgical training around the uk and then higher training in London and did a fellowship in Australia for a year to learn about advanced head and neck oncology surgery and then I was appointed to a consultant post in the UK about seven years ago now so I have an interest in thyroid cancer as well as the other types of cancers that we see of the nose and the throat and uh, the salivary glands in particular so the way that most patients present similar to how you came through in a way was there's a neck lump or some other symptom and it's it's a change in swallow or voice and with the thyroid we tend to get more of the the structural sort of presentations rather than functional issues the thyroid gland as you know controls the, the body's metabolism so, so can you just go back a second
0: and just sorry because we don't all know what a thyroid is but can you just in real simple terms describe what what the thyroid does
2: yeah so as i say it's sort of controlling how quickly the body turns over day to day so and we call that sort of the metabolism so a normal functioning gland means that everything's sort of working the way it should, essentially. And if it's underactive, everything tends to sort of slow down a little bit. You gain weight, you feel tired, you sort of get constipated or get a bit low in mood and depressed, and, and you just feel really just slow. The contrary to that is if the gland is overactive, which can be due to an autoimmune disease or something, and the gland has been stimulated and sort of told to work more than it should. You get very hyperactive, so you get jittery and sweaty, and the heart rate can can race up, and sometimes people can even have sort of psychotic episodes and things because everything's just going much quicker than it should. But with with thyroid cancers, the, the function of the gland is, is is actually very rarely an issue. The gland is usually ticking along quite quite normally. So you don't get those symptoms of hypo, so underactive, or hyper, overactive. You tend to get a lump or a sensation of something being there. Or to be honest, often patients come through, and I don't mean this to sound worrying, but there's no symptoms at all. It's picked up on a a different scan for something else that's had a, a headache and have had an MRI scan or a, a, you know, body scan for another reason. Mm. We find something on that.
0: That's. Um, all. I mean, I came to you. So obviously, in your case, you had the, the, cough, the symptom- cough. Exactly. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, that's exactly what I was
2: going to say. Go on. So you had the cough as well, which was why you came a slightly different route. You come through the respiratory team, who saw you. Obviously, felt there was a neck lump and were concerned about something in the chest going to the neck, and could it be a, a lung problem? presented with a neck lump or something in the neck itself causing a chest problem and and that that question actually obviously as you know took us a while to to get to the bottom of so so generally patients will come through and I'll, I'll see take a history do an examination which is usually an ultrasound and a biopsy of some sort and then we we have a conversation about where to go from there
0: so with regards to thyroid cancer what what could people look for I mean, obviously, it's yeah, like you say, it's quite hard to find signs with cancer of the thyroid. But what might be a sign, for example, you were saying, sorry, a lump on the neck.
2: I guess the commonest symptom would be a lump, and you, you might notice it's the sort of thing you might see if you if you're looking at yourself in the mirror. A man might maybe shaving or something, or you know, you're, you're feeling your neck, you're you're washing yourself, or apply some cream or perfume, and you notice something. Typically, thyroid lumps tend to move when you swallow because the whole of the voice box moves and the thyroid gland is kind of attached to the windpipe just below the the voice box. So when you swallow, it moves up and down. So lumps will tend to move with swallowing. And rarely, you might get a lump somewhere else away from the thyroid because if there's a problem in the gland that's spread to a lymph, it might be a lump over here or up here, depending on, on the type of disease process. And obviously, that was... More the way that you you came, you and had a mine swelling was in the to neck the side.
0: It was at the back on the left to the side, so not near the thyroid at all. And obviously a cough I wouldn't associate with the thyroid, but what I later learnt was that the lymph nodes which had cancer were pushing against the windpipe. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. And what do you, so I remember you saying to me. So this meeting you for the first time was the time you told me that I had cancer. And that was on the 15th of February and obviously a very pivotal date and an experience for me. But I suppose what I remember you saying to me, and don't worry, I won't hold you to this pool, but I remember you saying to me, thyroid cancer is very treatable. So normal circumstances, what, what do you tend to do?
2: OK, so the normal, and obviously every case is different, but normally we have an ultrasound that looks concerning a needle biopsy of some sort that confirms a suspicion or demonstrates cancer. And then we go down predominantly surgical management strategy. We have a meeting where we discuss all the cases. Most patients will have an operation to remove some or all of the thyroid gland. And if they have lymph node involvement, then we remove the lymph nodes as well. And some people stop there. Others, if they've got lymph node involvement or a big tumour or multifocal disease, so lots of bits of cancer within the gland, then would get radioactive iodine treatment. And as you say, in nearly all cases, that cures the problem. It's very rare for thyroid cancer to be a problem that shortens someone's life. And there are different types of cancer, obviously. Some are very aggressive. The vast majority that we see are manageable, they're treatable, and and ultimately curable. And although we're finding and you will have seen, I'm sure, in the in the literature and the publications that we're finding more and more and more thyroid cancer as incidental pickup on scans and investigations for other things. Actually, the number of people that have a bad outcome or die from the disease actually barely changes. And it's a tiny fraction of those patients that present in the first place. So it is a curable disease in the vast majority of cases. So I try to be positive with patients who have presentation that's suggested a thyroid cancer because in nearly every case the patient can be cured.
0: So obviously I'm on targeted chemotherapy and that's really dealing with the gene, the mutating gene. So how often do you see a case like mine where it's actually down to a gene that's mutating that's kind of caused the spread and, and the complications and have you scratching your head not knowing really what to do or what's going on. Because I always I quoted you actually in the first season where you said, listen, I tell you what, what like don't you worry about this. Let me worry about this. <laughs> I always thought that was so sweet, but it's just never going to happen.
2: <laughs> You're a very unusual case and I've, I've never seen a case like yours. And I discussed your case at the London Clinic MDT, which has input from colleagues across London and nobody else had seen a case the same as this. We do see advanced cancers, but Due to this specific mutation, I don't think any of us had ever seen that, that one before. So obviously, we enlist the help of colleagues at the Royal Marsden, and we're always happy to, and as I said this to you before, we're always look, looking outside of our, our immediate group. If, if there's something that we're not familiar with, we go and ask around. We have a responsibility to do that. And when we find from colleagues at the Marsden that it's also something that's not common there, then you start to think, oh, okay, well, this is clearly a rare entity So no, I've I've never seen a case like yours and I I probably will never see another one. I mean, I've been a consultant for, say, seven, nearly eight years and um, that's not very long, but I was with colleagues who've been doing this for longer than me who also had never seen one, so it could be a once in a career you know uh, you, 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 you're you very rare that
0: way yes so I'll stick out in your memory in fact Professor Popat called me beautifully unusual um <laughs> so I remember when we spoke and you you phoned me with the actual name of the the cancer do you remember what that is
2: well it was a hobnail variant of a yeah very-
0: and I don't know if you remember I said to you I'm going to be doing a TED talk in five years time and you said I'm going to sit in the audience how again a bit more generally like Because one of the things we talk a lot about on this podcast is how to handle this. And I think because of the person I am, I've kind of taken an optimistic view. And I've come across a lot of conversations around, you know, the gift of cancer. And if I hadn't had cancer, this would never happen. So just to kind of summarise, like one of the things that I've heard is that people try to find meaning in their cancer. And, you know, I'm still looking for that. And I think people around me are looking for that. But without trying to, you know, kind of getting too deep or meaningful, how... Different, do you see different attitudes to your patients in terms of how they go through treatment and how they experience it? Like, do you think that that makes a real difference to their outcome and their experience if they come at it with a bit more of a positive, spiritual, open approach versus holding everything and getting very anxious? And what what do you see in that space?
2: Unfortunately, unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, I, I spend all week, every week, with patients who are going through similar things to what you're going through and the the range and variety of responses is uh is amazing and it is it's probably the most rewarding part of the job in a way that you see how humans react and behave to these massive life events and um anecdotally I would say yeah positive attitude to illness tends to help it may not alter the outcome but I think the journey through treatment and the the level of support from family and friends is is probably easier and the engagement with staff and because it's not just just myself there's a whole load of people that you meet during a cancer treatment. And if you have a positive outlook and you're trying and you're engaged and you want things to work, then it kind of rubs off on everyone around you. I guess it's I can say that about anything in life, I suppose. So I think your experience is probably more positive as a result of you being positive. So I think there is there is definitely something in that because unfortunately, in in the head and neck cancer world, we do see quite a lot of people who are a little bit down and out when they first present, and if they're you know have no family, no friends, they're living on their own or homeless, and they've got really nothing going for them. Drug addicts, heavy smoker, alcohol abuser, then the starting point is very different, and the end point is usually you know a lot a lot earlier and a lot worse because uh, those people have a different attitude sometimes to to their illness and uh so, so remaining positive is, is, is really important but we, we don't have unfortunately certainly where I work kind of we, we do have psychological support we do utilize it but what we probably don't do very well is kind of scoring somehow somebody's psychological status at the beginning of treatment during and after Mm. We do try our best to look after patients through. I guess for understandable reasons, we tend to focus on the pathology and the disease and the treatment. And it's more for me about how how we can offer treatment and get that started, than it is about uh, how it's infecting you and your family and your you know your life. But. We, we have the nurse staff that, that try to do that. And, you know, hopefully you've, you've experienced that as you've gone through. Mm, the- I
0: remember you saying to me, look, we need, you, we need to get you a clinical nurse. And I was like, I don't know what that is. But you were very keen that I had that someone to kind of hold my hand through it. And actually, I thought, I'm still in touch with Dawn. And I've got two more clinical nurses. I've got one in the lung team and one in the, the ENT team. Um, and they are there to kind of offer support and definitely, but I, funnily enough, I went to Maggie's today for the first time, the Maggie's center, which is a really good cancer center. And I did an exercise class there and they do all sorts of things. So yeah, well, look, I won't, I won't keep you much longer, Paul, because I know, you know, no, it's okay. thank you so much for, for finding the time to talk to me. And there's so much I want to ask, but I've got to, I've got to learn <laughs> to keep things more condensed. I'm not very good at that. So yeah, that's, that's really insightful
2: we can do this again if it's helpful and um, I'll never understand what you're going through and you know fortunately for me I haven't experienced anything that all my patients experience it's uh, you know you, doing what you're doing is obviously going to inspire a lot of other people so if I can help you with that then Thank happy to you. do That's it. That's
0: really kind. And as I said
2: when we were going through this originally I, I don't have all the answers I it's very rare that we do or any of us do but we work with what we've got and we just kind of keep going and that's all we can do. And things will pop up in the future and things will go well, things will go less well. But as long as we have that kind of relationship where you can be open and honest, then most of the time-
0: And I think the thing I'm finding really interesting with my treatment is that it's new. It's only been on the market three years. So the, what's changing, you know, in the world of cancer and, and in research and medically and w- in genetics, that's another side that I'm interested in as well. Like what turned this gene on? Um, and so, you know, I'm sure you're seeing those changes on your side of, of the fence as yeah.
2: well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we are. And uh, although most of what we see is the, the common stuff, the, you know, we, we have colleagues working on the academic side, looking at these rarer tumours, developing novel therapies. We do our best to recruit into trials, so we're putting patients into it, giving them the opportunity to try new treatments all the time. So, yeah, I think things are changing very rapidly, and these new chemotherapies, immunotherapies are are really promising. So, you know, hopefully, at some point, there won't you won't need someone like me. You would just go and see an oncologist who'll manage this all medically, and surgery will be be you know un- unnecessary. We're probably some way from that, but. Yeah, well, as long as we're working together on it, we'll all get there, hopefully.
0: (laughs) Great. Well, thanks so much for talking to me, Paul. It's good to see you after all these months. Yeah. Yeah, likewise. (laughs) So that was my chat with with Paul Stimpson. What did you think? Oh, my gosh. It really brought tears to my eyes
1: when he said, I don't know what this is like. I can never imagine what this is like for you. And... And really, I don't know. Yeah, really, really, really moved me. Because of course he doesn't, and 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 I guess that's what this podcast is—is is trying to help us understand what this is, what this is like, what this is like for you. Um. But yeah, that really, that really made me. Yeah, that really made me emotional. But I also was like, how can yeah? Like you have you have you have a variant of thyroid cancer, but yet your thyroid is working fine. That kind of blew my mind. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like I didn't. Yeah, I thought the functionality would be impacted but it's not but although it is but in a different way and i just thought wow what an absolutely what a lovely man um what a lovely bright brilliant man and also thank god i was was listening to this on the heath and i was walking down and i was like thank god there are people in this world that specialize in cancer thank god these absolute Bloody legends dedicate their lives to solving this problem for other people, and it and it it really I found that just so moving that there are like you have this incredible multidisciplinary team, or that your case has been passed to, you know, you've you've had people from the London Clinic look at it, the Marsden internationally people look at it, like you know your the Paul who you, who you spoke to, you know, is trained all over the world to be able to you know gather together the consultancy experience of eight years to be able to like help and support you and. And also, it struck me. Sorry, I realise I'm talking quite no, a lot, no, but also, you... it struck me what this must be like for you. Like, he's the he is the doctor that told you you had cancer. Like he is key, he he live he must be a huge person. He's a huge person in your life, you know, mm, because it was just ever, the two right? of you in yeah. the
0: two and two of you in that yeah. room. I'd never met him before. Like here, yeah. was this I think just going back to what you're saying about you know these people that are working to help people and heal people and cure people and figure out what's wrong with people it does blame my mind and I think like yeah. you know one of the things I said so again there was lots of kind of opportunities to see different doctors early on and I'd seen this chest doctor and they were they were saying I should see another chest doctor and and I said to the original chest doctor like I feel a bit bad I felt bad I felt like it, I literally felt like I'm a client and now they're they're giving me to someone else. And I, they, and he's, and this chest doctor said, see whoever you need to see. Like you're the patient. Patient always comes first. And, you know, that's the thing. Like the fact that Mr. Stimpson and his team referred me to the Royal Marsden, there was no ego with that. There was no like, no, we want to look at this. It's really unusual. It's really rare. Like cakes came to us first or whatever. It's like. Okay, who can deal with the best people? The best people. So that's something to kind of remember. I think the patient always comes first. Like, and and you know, when I found out about this, and obviously, like Dinch was away. I've explained that my husband was away. My best friend, my bestie, bestie, um, also named Katie. You know, once she came, she came came straight away to see me and we like went for a walk and we went and had dinner and you know one of the first things she said was like are you are you with the right people like do you need and I didn't even think about that she was like let's find out who the who the best people are that you need the best people and of course it's really important so yeah loads of things you know it was it was lovely in a weird way speaking to him because I could just really be myself you know and yeah I didn't know him, really. I only, I've only met him a couple of times. I've spoken to him on the phone a couple of times. But I think that something that these doctors must have is like a sense, a very quick sense of the kind of person they're dealing with, I think.
1: Yeah. And we yeah. just
0: kind of got on a level. I don't know. But, you know, he yeah. said that to me as well. When I said to him, I had the core biopsy, which I've explained was pretty horrific. And I said, look, originally, you know, no, no offence to your secretary, Jane, and she was brilliant, by the way, but originally she put that, in between two other tests and I could never have done any more than just that core biopsy. And he said, well, thank you for the feedback because I don't know what that's like. So, you know, very open to kind of hearing those things. But yeah, it was, you know, it was interesting and good talking to him and I wish I had longer, but, you know, they've yeah. got so little time to do this stuff, Yeah, in all honesty. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. But he, said he, but he said he could pop back on. So if we've got more questions or if anybody else has got any questions that they might like to pose to him we can we can we can compile them and we can see about getting him back later on definitely
0: to to chat yeah definitely no he was he was really really great so do you know what i've got sitting here claire what can you see i can
1: see a blue a4 transparent folder full of letters full of letters and
0: paperwork and this i've mentioned before is it's my cancer folder, which I was yeah. given when I first went to see Popat's team. And I never opened it and I never looked in it. And I just put things in it and then I opened it. Then I then I read the, a letter, the first time I'd read a letter from Dr. Newbold. And then I just thought, look, I'm not going to go through absolutely everything, but just, I haven't opened it before. I haven't looked in it. Really? No, never? No, no I've not looked in it. Me <laughs> wow. and paperwork's just not, you know...
1: No, I know. There's something about it, isn't it? It Just drops through the door, or you get handed it, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm going to file that." But yeah.
0: So, so I put all my letters in there. Which, by the way, I read now. I read them. There was yeah. a time where I didn't read them, but I read them. And the latest one is 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 that um, is one from Kate Newbold about that appointment. And I basically said, "Do you have any answers?" And she said, "No, <laughs> no, <I> that's <didn't. laughs> not." <laughs> she basically said no so i said thank you and, <laughs> and uh, goodbye okay. and that's what it Chat see. that's what the letter's yeah. <laughs> about um i got given this thyroid oncology key worker and this is basically like a card they give you a card which is contact information so you've got your clinical nurse and they're the person that holds your hand and kind of helps with appointments and you can ring you know i speak to them about my bloods and and actually so i've got two teams so this is the thyroid nurse team key worker team and you mm. also get a macmillan hotline that you can ring 24 hours a day so there is that and um that's interesting because um i have my main team have been the lung team but i'm actually moving over to the thyroid team oh
1: really yes, okay
0: which i'll explain probably another time understanding radiotherapy um so this is a leaflet a macmillan cancer support leaflet and it's all about radiotherapy which i don't even know if i'm going to be having i was going to say we're not yeah that yeah and i've opened it on the page that says pelvic radiotherapy and sex oh god so um radiotherapy in the pelvic area can cause side effects that may may make having sex difficult listen there's a whole podcast yeah. episode on cancer and sex i'm not going to do it because you know I don't think that's fair on Dinch, but Dinch, actually Dinch might come on. In fact, Dinch has said he'd come on and speak to you.
1: Really? Yeah, not about our sex life. I'd love life, that. Okay. No, no. Okay, fine. Yeah, sorry, I'm not ready to. <laughs> that was not part of the deal. <laughs> but, but you know, but just I've picking seen pers-
0: posts about like how you know how to sex pick up and, your sex, sex and life cancer after chemotherapy. It's yeah, it's like intimacy
1: because I can tell intimacy, you now, intimacy is
0: not yep. sexy. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yep. Sorry to break yeah. that to you.
1: But intimacy and honest, and just sorry that's just reminding me of something um pelvic uh, sex and pelvic floor already they pelvic floor uh,
0: muscles later is that what it reminded you
1: no it didn't but like yeah who doesn't need to do their pelvic who doesn't need to tighten their pelvic floor to be honest we're all over 40 no trampolines <laughs> for right, us I learned that
0: in a skipping exercise class the other day let me tell you
1: <laughs> uh, but maybe you'll be okay if you're just having to do like uh, you know seated chair exercises you'd be kind of oh, fine up, not for me, thank you. Sorry, just um, the sex and or illness and intimacy, and what also really moved me about the interview that you did with um, Mr. Stimpson was he was saying that like if you present if you're homeless and you present with cancer, or if you're an alcoholic and you present with cancer, and that I was really kind of like you know that really that really got me as well is to be already struggling already in a difficult life situation uh, you know and have no coping tools no resources what that must be like to then go through this to go through this journey and then also what really sort of made me cry is like he was like you know and imagine if you had no friends no family and you were doing you were doing this and you were on your own and i was like
0: and again oh my god said that that to you about feeling like i'm white privileged going through this and it's a You know, it's a completely different experience. It's, I can't even, you know, and there's something, again, I feel so, so fortunate. And I think about, I do, I think about that when I I go to the hospital and I see other people. And I think, are you on your own? What are you going through? You know, it's just... Yeah, and it's made, so many it's made different m- ways. It's different, and, and even you saying
1: you're going to Maggie's, like you, you've all got the commonality of having a similar, well, not a similar diagnosis because every cancer diagnosis is different, but you're at similar points in your, in your story. But it's all, and it's all, but it's also made me so grateful. Like as I just said, not just for the extraordinary doctors who are working day in, day out, day out to you know find a cure for cancer, but for all the support services and charities like. Maggie's, like Marie Curie Cancer Care, like all of these incredible organisations, Macmillan that you've mentioned as well, that that support people. Yeah, I mean, and I just think, it's yeah, just it's,
0: like I'm really, I'm really in awe that we do this as a species for each other. In fact, it's you really know? amazing. It is amazing what what's out there and what 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 can help people, but also dif- what you go through depending yeah. on on where you come from, your circumstances. Yeah. yeah, completely. Yeah, shall I go back to the blue folder? Sorry, oh, go no, back to I'm just completely, completely cutting complete you off. It's
1: awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> back to the brief folder. Sorry, yes, sorry. So it was, it was a complete tangent from uh, sex and cancer, which probably people. mean, we, we need to do a podcast about that now. Yeah, I we need to do people, an episode about people, if that. If you would like actually. us to do a podcast about sex and cancer, please. Well, email. I think share your stories. Actually, share your stories. Actually, yeah. Hello, let us know at talkingwithcancer.com.
0: So you better say that again because I talked over you. Hello at talkingwithcancer.com. I've got an email and I'm on Instagram and you can message me direct, talking underscore with cancer. Because no, genuinely, I do think it's one of those subjects, you know, like bowel babe brought out awareness around what it is, you know, to talk about poo, let's be honest. Yeah. But, you know, what about talking about, about things like how it affects your sex life, yeah. you know, or even the type of cancers... It's not just having cancer can affect your sex life. There are cancers that will affect your ability to have sex. To have I mean, sex, definitely yeah. your fertility, which again is a, is another subject that I haven't even broached. But there's a lot more topics out there. Is
1: there a? Because we can't have an episode without one. Oh. Is there a your face? Is there a mum joke for Do you this know week? what?
0: Sorry, listeners, I don't have one. Oh my and god. I'm going to be really honest. I called her last night hoping, really hoping <laughs> I'd get, get something. How get a little that? anecdote for today. I mean, obviously, I wanted to check in and like have a chat yeah, with her, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gathering content, like, Mum. Come on, Mum. Yeah. Come on, Mum. No, but interestingly, what she told me, because she was watching the um, Will, Will M Hoff Iceman. Man, Ice Man. Breathing cold water. She's watching this yeah, series yeah, yeah. where all these celebrities have to like jump into cold water and stuff. And she, she's yeah. very professional. My mum, like, she's got a real insight into the entertainment world. She's like, it's so edited. Like, you know, there's bits in it where they get down on the floor and they count to ten. All these emotions come out. She's like, I know that before that scene, there was a lot they had to do to get those emotions going. So I was like, good for her. You know, she's got the eye. She understands how it's done. An intelligent but, viewer. Yeah, yeah critical. But she did tell yeah. me it's not a mum joke, but I was pretty impressed. She's been switching to cold water uh, in her shower. Really? Yeah, and she's done it two mornings in a row. And she said, I breathe through the cold water. I breathe through it. She goes, I wear a shower cap and I just let the cold water come down on me. And I just count slowly and I just get all my body in the cold water. So I thought, well, oh, that's really good. Yeah. And she's picked that up from you. Is, yeah. I think from maybe a bit of me, a bit of this series. A bit for Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, good on your mum. And then a nice bowl of warming chicken soup afterwards, I hope. Dead chicken soup. Dead chicken, Dead soup. chicken soup. OK. <laughs> Just in case you don't <laughs> see, see earlier episodes <laughs> and the Insta for the full recipe. Well, is there anything else, my love, before we... No, darling, drink. I don't think so.
0: Well, thank you again for
1: talking so openly and honestly.
0: Thank you and thank you, because you always thank me, but thank you. And no, thank I'm you. excited, in a way, to feel like we've got... You know, we've kind of done nine episodes and kind of wrapped up that, and now here we are yeah, moving into a second season. and
1: A, sec, a second season with more be, of us, more guests, yeah. more other people. guests this time, that's that's fun. Guests, guests this time. Yeah, so thank um, And, yeah, you. and as ever, um, if you've got any questions,
0: let us know. Thank you, doll. Lovely to love see you. you. Lots of bye love you. Bye-bye, babes. <laughs> Thanks for
1: listening to this week's Talking With Cancer. Feel free to share the show or give us a review on Apple's podcast, Spotify or Google. It could help other people
0: find out about us and might help someone you don't know who's got questions about cancer. Please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you, either via our Instagram, which is talking underscore with cancer, or you can email us hello at talkingwithcancer.com. See you next time. Bye.